Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, while pretending to be unconscious in the home of Biggie Conroy, the racket boss... Clark Kent realizes he is in a desperate plight as he hears Biggie say to his followers, Men, I think Clark Kent is Superman, and I'm going to prove it right now. Just watch me. Listen carefully now, gang, to what I'm about to say, because what you will hear is a warning. That's right, a warning designed to put you on the alert so that you will be aware of a dangerous booby trap. Most of you, I'm sure, know what a booby trap is. But just to jog your memory, I'll tell you that a booby trap is a vicious, deadly device of war. It can be a phony flower pot, a pretty picture on the wall, a comfortable chair, just anything innocent-looking but rigged and set to explode the moment it is touched by an unwary sucker. Yes, that's what they are in war. But ideas can be booby traps, too, believe me. You can fall victim to ideas that sound innocent enough when you hear them, but you find that they explode in your face if you attempt to use and apply them in your daily life. Now, one phony idea, that any other person is not as good as you because of his race, his origin, or the way he worships God, is a booby trap idea. It's a deadly explosive rigged by bigoted, prejudiced people with premeditated intent to set friend against friend, neighbor against neighbor. Yes, that booby trap idea can make a nation weak and a people divided. It can even lead to war. We know that that's true because we saw it happen when the German people fell for the phony booby trap idea of the master race. It certainly exploded in their faces, didn't it? Well, the same thing can happen to us if we fall for that stuff. So let's be on the alert against the phony ideas of racial prejudice and religious bigotry. The idea booby traps that are waiting for suckers to bite. Let's be aware of the danger and do our utmost to resist attempts to pit Americans against other Americans. The Adventures of Superman! Believing that members of the underworld suspected he was Superman and were attempting to prove it, Clark Kent tried to throw them off the track by pretending to be seriously injured in an automobile accident. But Biggie Conroy, the racketeer who was directing the move to unmask Superman, was suspicious of Kent's accident. And that night, as Kent lay wrapped in bandages and supposedly unconscious... A gang of Conroy's men overwhelmed Kent's friends, the famous Batman and Robin, and captured the reporter. Realizing that if he beat off the men, he would reveal his identity of Superman, Kent had no choice but to let them take him to Biggie Conroy's house, with his only hope that Batman and Robin would be able to trail him. Now, still wrapped in bandages and pretending to be unconscious, Kent lies on a couch in Biggie Conroy's living room. His mind races desperately, seeking for some escape as he hears the big racket boss speak to Slick Bailey, a henchman, 
Chopin, his piano-playing companion. Maybe Kent is what he makes out to be, a newspaper reporter. But me, I think he's Superman. Here's where I prove it. What do you want to do, Piggy? Just keep your eyes open, Chopin, and you'll see. Hey, what's the idea tonight, Piggy? <laughs> Can't you guess, Slick? Well, no. Neither can I. Well, just watch me, boys. In a minute, we're going to find out for sure if Kent is Superman. Now I'm going to... Hey, what's that? Hey, that's the door. Somebody's at the door. Holy smokes, who can that be? I don't care who it is. We can't let anybody in now. So be quiet. We'll, we'll make out like nobody's home. Boy, I hope it ain't the cops, Piggy. They shouldn't be the cops. Oh, we got Dr. Bushnell here, you know. If they traced them, they... I think it's just one of the boys. I don't care who it is, I tell you. We can't let anybody in. Open the door. This is the police. Hey, it is the cops, Piggy. Let me think. Piggy, I told you we should have got rid rid of Dr. Bushnell. Now we get a kidnapping rat. Maybe they found out we got Kent. Yeah, that too. We know you're in there. Open that door. Quick, you guys, help me stow Kent onto the sofa. Yeah, you right there looking for Biggie. He'll slice the place. Ah, well, we'll have to take that chance. Yeah, under the couch with him. Bush? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. If they find Bushmill in the basement, we might get the chair. This is your last chance. Do you open the door or do we break Yeah, just a minute, just a minute. That does it. Go on, Chopin. Play piano. Hurry up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, slick. Get that scared look off your face. Okay, okay. They're coming, coming. Sorry it took me so long to open the door, officer. You're uh, Conroy, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we, we didn't hear you at first. We were having a little party, a little music. Yeah, that's right. Close the door, Burke, and watch. Okay. You, stop beating that piano. Yeah. Okay, copy. Look here, officer. What's the idea of barging in like this? I'm a citizen. I pay my taxes. Skip and it, I... Conroy. In case you forgot, your pal Mike Hickey isn't running Metropolis anymore, so you can't kick the law around and get away with it like old time. I don't know what you mean. You shouldn't ought to say things like that. No, we all obey the law. Cut it out. Conroy, we spotted you on the drive a little while ago and trailed you here. Oh, trailed us? There must be some mistake, officer. I've been right here all evening. I Cut it out, Conroy. I tell you, we trailed your car here. Up to this street, anyhow. We just identified the car in your drive. But I tell you, I wasn't out in my car. That's right, officer. He was right here. You can tell that to the judge. The judge? Yeah, we clocked you at 65 miles an hour on the drive. So here's your ticket for speeding. Huh? For speeding? Well, I'll be... Uh, <laughs> you, you mean that's all Shut you... Shut up, Chopin. Come on, Burke. Let's go. <laughs> speeding, eh? <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> oh, boy, I thought we was dead pigeons. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and all I wanted was to <laughs> slip us a ticket for yeah. speeding. <laughs> yeah. Okay, enough comedy. Get back to Kent now. You guys help me get him out from under the sofa. Oh, come on! This is it, Robin. One, two, seven, two, Adams Street. File out. Okay, Batman. I hope this is the right place. The license bureau said the car we followed and lost belongs to Biggie Conroy, the racketeer, didn't they? Well, sure, but... And this is Conroy's house. Come on, make like a mouse. If 
But Biggie Conroy didn't jump us in Clifftown and maybe take Mr. Kent away. It was Slick Bailey and his guerrillas. Hasn't it occurred to you, Robin, that Bailey could be working for Biggie Conroy? Say, that could be. Conroy's a big operator. And how? Hold it. What's up? Two men coming from the garage. Uh-oh. See us here in the driveway. Wait, get behind those bushes in the lawn. Yep. Yeah. We're just two little kids. Quiet, Robert. Come on. Here they come, Batman. Right. Now, when I give the word up and at them, make it fast and quiet. Jack. Something went into these bushes. Now, Robin. Yeah, man. What, what are you trying to get this? Sorry, Mr. Yeah. On the sand oh, man. And I'm not going to kill you, sir. Feel my claws? Oh! Nice going, Robin. They'll sleep for a while. Oh, now what, Batman? You see that balcony in the second floor extending out over the driveway? I'm practically on it right now. Wait till I get my rope. All right. Here goes mine. Oh, bullseye. I'll loop the other post. Good shot. Come on now. Shimmy up to the balcony. Oh, check. Save that. Save your breath, Robin. Climb. Yeah, but it just occurred to me. Oh, he took care of two gorillas just now, but there was a car full of... Maybe we should have brought a few cops along so as not to hide the whole show ourselves, you know. Don't know for sure that Ken is here. Oh, yeah. Hey, up you come. All set. Now we walk in and look for Ken. That's a match. This French door is unlocked. Yeah. Come on now, Robin. Quietly. Okay. What the? Who turned the lights on? We did, sonny boy. Fat man, they've got guns. So I see. Three of them. Yeah, we got guns. So don't try nothing smart. Dismayed, Batman and Robin face three hard-faced men, each of them holding a revolver. We'll be back in a moment for the tense climax of today's episode. So keep listening. You know, gang, no one has much use for a blowhard. He's the kind of guy who's always full of hot air. He's got the right word for every occasion and is always set with a ready-made speech that rolls glibly off the tip of his tongue. But have you ever seen a guy like that who is ready and able to back up his wondrous flow of words with action? You bet you haven't, and what's more, you never will. Well, some blowhards are sort of harmless. They just go around dispelling hot air, and the worst thing they do is make a nuisance of themselves. But some of them get all loaded up with hot air about people. When they start spouting their phony ideas of race, prejudice, and bigotry, well, then you kind of find yourself counting to ten from to keep from letting them have a sock right on the nose. But violence never does any good with characters of that kind. you got to be able to out-talk them with facts, I mean. Real solid facts that prove all men are created equal, and one man is as good as another. And what's even more important, you've got to live that kind of talk. That's brotherhood. And that's what makes for peace. You see... When you treat everyone like a regular Joe, no matter what the color of his skin or the way he worships God, then you're living brotherhood. You can do it in little ways. If you're scouting a good baseball player for your team, don't look at his skin color. Look at his throwing arm. And if you need a new pitcher, don't ask his religion. Ask to see him sizzle a curve across the plate. That's the way you can show you really believe in brotherhood. Not by talking. No, not by talking. By doing, by doing, and by living up to brotherhood in every way, every day. And now, back to the adventure. 
Superman. Batman and Robin made their way into Piggy Conroy's house by way of a balcony, only to be surprised by three of Conroy's armed henchmen. Now, as they stand at gunpoint, one of the men says, Just make one move, you guys, and you get plugged. Red, Nick, tie him up. Uh Uh-oh. What do we do, Batman? What can we do, Robin? With that cannon pointed at us. As Batman and Robin stand helplessly, Clark Kent is equally helpless in another room of the house, where he has been placed on a couch again by Biggie Conroy, Slick Bailey, and Chopin, the skinny piano player. His eyes closed, feigning unconsciousness. Kent is unaware of Batman and Robin's predicament, but he is deeply aware of his own, as Biggie Conroy stands over him, a large knife in his hand. What are you going to do with the knife, Biggie? I'm going to cut the bandages off our pedal here, Chopin. Cut the bandages? Well, what for? Don't you get it, Slick? Kent's supposed to have been seriously injured in that auto accident, see? He's all bandaged up like a mummy. Well, yeah, but I think the accident was a phony. The kid is into thinking he ain't Superman. You see, I figure he ain't hurt at all. Oh, I get it. You're going to cut the bandages off, and if he ain't hurt... Right. We'll know he's faking. And is really Superman. Good idea. Well, here goes. Leaning forward, Biggie Conroy begins to slash the heavy bandages from Clark Kent, who, powerless to move without revealing that he is Superman, knows that in another moment, his great secret will be known to his enemies. What can Kent do? And what of Batman and Robin in great danger in another room of the racketeer's house? The moment was never more tense, fellows and girls. So don't fail to be with us tomorrow, same time, same station, when we bring you the thrilling, smashing climax of The Mystery of the Stolen Costume on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Captain Midnight, which follows in just a moment. And right after Captain Midnight, you will hear Tom Mix and his Ralston straight shooters. This is the mutual broadcasting system. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, as Piggy Conroy, the racket boss, begins to slash the bandages from Clark Kent, who pretends to be seriously injured and unconscious. Kent, within his own mind, acknowledges defeat. He'll have my bandages off in a moment. Then he'll see. 
see I wasn't even scratched in that accident, and he'll know I'm Superman. But if I try to stop him, he'll know it anyhow. So there's nothing I can do. Nothing. My double identity will no longer be a secret. Well, boys and girls, you know the other day... Okay, bud, don't move. I got a little automatic pointing at your back. At, at my back? You heard me. But we're on the air. You, you can't interrupt a program like this. No. I'm doing it, ain't I? Well, what, what do you want? I want you to say a few things. Just like I tell you. All right. What should I say? Say, the announcer on this program is the Jake. What? I certainly will not say that. I got a gun here that says you will. Okay, okay. The announcer on this program is a jerk. Good. Now say, but we forgive him because he was born that way. But we forgive him because he was born that way. Okay, now turn around slow and take a look. But remember, there's a gun on your back, so no false moves. All right. What? Why, holy smokes, it's Superman! April Fool. Oh, oh brother. Oh, I fell for that one. Well, don't feel too badly, Bob. Lots of us fell for April Fool tricks today, so you're just one of the mob. Boy, I certainly am. And after all, Bob, April Fool jokes are lots of fun and no harm, so you can just laugh them off. But you know, gang, it's not so funny to be an April Fool all year long. It's not so funny to fall for traps and phony stories that aren't meant to be jokes. For instance, there are always those smart Alex who go around trying to trick us into believing that people of one race or religion are better than those of another. Fall for that baloney, and brother, you'll be the fool of the year. So, don't ever fall for the sucker bait that says that one man is better than another because of the color of his skin or the way he worships God. That would make you an April fool all year long. And now, the adventures of Superman. Knowing that certain criminals suspected he was Superman, Clark Kent tried to throw them off the track by pretending to be seriously injured in an automobile accident. But Biggie Conroy, a big-time racket boss, was suspicious. While Kent lay swathed in bandages, pretending to be unconscious, Conroy had him seized and brought to his house. Realizing that if he fought or even moved, he would betray his identity, Kent could only lie still, his eyes closed. While Conroy, preparing to cut away Kent's bandages, said to his henchmen... If Kent is all banged up, we'll know he ain't Superman. But if he ain't hurt, then we'll know for sure he is Superman. Meanwhile, Kent's friends, the famous Batman and Robin, having traced him to Conroy's house, knocked out two of the racketeer's guards and climbed to an upstairs balcony. But as they entered the house, three other men armed with guns surprised them. Now, while Biggie Conroy begins to slash away Kent's bandages, we find Batman and Robin standing at bay in an upstairs room as a burly man pointing a gun at the dynamic duo directs his two companions to use their upraised blackjack. Knock them both. Shut down. Biggie's gun downstairs and can tell us what to do. Here they come, Batman. What do we do? Just take your cue from me, chum. I'll take care of the big guy, Ninja. And give it to the chest. Okay, Robin. Yeah, man, get to work. Hey, wait, Biggie. What's that noise upstairs? I don't know. Superman, go see what it is. Yeah, yo. Okay, Biggie. Hey, it's a couple of the boys got in a fight. It's over now. Go ahead, Biggie. Get the rest of the bandages off, Kent. Okay, Slick. I just about got them off. Hey, Biggie. Biggie. Now, what's the matter? 
Two guys coming down the stairs. They got on costumes and masks. Come on, Robin. Let's take these characters. I'm right with you, Paul. Holy smokes, Batman and Robin. Where's my gun? Digger. Well, oh, Mr. Jimmy. Bailey, haven't we met before? Why, you come to Papa, eh, kids? Look out, Robin. The big guy has a gun. Biggie Conroy levels his gun at Batman, and more of his followers pour into the room. Clark Kent, wrapped for a moment, reaches to a table behind his head, grabs a heavy ashtray, and hurls it toward the ceiling where it strikes the light fixture, shatters it, and plunges the room into darkness. Saved by the bell. Keep hustling, Robin. Sure, Tommy. I can't see these mugs, but I can hit them. Get Batman and Robin. Finish them. The fight rages furiously, blindly in the darkness. Kent, still wrapped in bandages, bounds from the couch and waves into the fray. Able to see clearly in the dark, he flashes about the room, smacking Biggie Conroy and his henchmen to the floor like ten pins, where they spin from the shattering force of Superman's blows and then lie still. Only Kent and Batman remain standing. Casting a quick look about him, Kent strides to a table in the corner where a lamp still stands erect, turns a switch and sends a soft glow of light into the room. What? Kent! Yes, you got here in the nick of time, Batman. You mean use it? I wondered what made all these guys drop so fast. I knew Robin and I couldn't. Hey, wait. What happened to Robin? He's right here. Knocked out for a moment, but he'll be all right. You sure? Yes. Now listen, Sean. Oh, wait, got... your bandages are slashed. Did Conroy find no, out? No, he didn't. But he was just going to when you and Robin showed up. Now listen. We'll tie these lads up, and then you phone for the police. Tell them they'll find Dr. Bushmill locked in a room in the cellar. Dr. Asa Bushman? Yes, Conroy abducted him as I figured. He's all right, but Conroy and his playmates will go to jail for life if they manage to beat the chair. Great. They'll never be able to prove you Superman then, even if they still suspect you. Right. Okay, let's get busy with your rope, Batman. I want to be back on that couch apparently dead to the world when Biggie Conroy wakes up and the police get here. Oh, oh Robin's coming too. Yeah. Better hop back onto your couch, Clark. You and I'll finish this little laundry. Okay, Oh, oh my head... Batman. Did the birdies sing you a nice song, sonny boy? Oh, you're not kidding. Christopher Columbus. Don't tell me you called off all these gorillas by yourself. Well, I, I had a little help. You mean me? Shucks, the joint was jumping when I passed out of the picture. Well, look, Batman, you don't know your own strength. Okay, cut the comedy, Robin. We've got things to do. Pick up the phone and call Inspector Henderson and tell him to roll his biggest black Mariah down here. Oh, okay, Batman. The show away by yes, that. Robin made that crack about me. I almost did, Batman. Hello, headquarters. Let me with Inspector Henderson, please. Well, I want to report that Batman and Robin have a load of Easter presents. Happily, Clark, Kent, Batman, and Robin wait for the police to arrive and start Vicky Conroy and his followers on their way to the penitentiary. Or perhaps to the electric chair. Now, Superman's long ordeal is over. For the first time in weeks, he dares to relax. But if he were aware of a scene that is taking place at this very moment, hardly a mile and a half away, he would spring into action with all the speed and power at his command. For a new threat already spawned is menacing the Man of Steel and those closest to him. A cunning, treacherous, deadly threat. The type that strikes to the heart in the dark and leaves no sign. We'll be back in a moment to learn more of this, so keep listening.
gang? I bet there's hardly one of you who doesn't know that Benny Goodman is the proud owner of the royal title, King of Swing. Yes, sir, his hot clarinet has been sizzling over the airwaves and jukeboxes for the past 15 years, during which time he's held on to the top spot. Why, some of the old Goodman records are collector's items today. They're hard to get, and everybody wants them. Especially valuable to swing fans are the records made by the famous Benny Goodman sextet. Those six men made swing history when they first started playing together. Benny on his clarinet, Gene Krupa on the drums, Lionel Hampton on the vibraphone, Eddie Wilson on the piano, Charlie Christian on the guitar, and Artie Bernstein on the bass. When those fellows played together, the joint really rocked. Yes, Benny Goodman always hired the men who were tops in their field. The best pianists and drummers and trumpeters in the business. But when it came to the color of their skins, the religion they followed, the country their parents had come from, the King of Swing didn't give a rap for those things. No, it was music, and music alone he cared about. And music knows no racial or religious difference. When he finally broke up his sextet, expecting to retire, the Negro members, Teddy Wilson and Lionel Hampton, went on to form their own top-notch bands. And so did Gene Krupa. Now, Benny Goodman has formed a new band for himself, and as usual, he picked his men on the basis of talent and talent alone. He knows that's the way men make good music together. In fact, in that way, men can work together in all fields of endeavor to make the most of the best in peace. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. In an untidy little office in a small soda bottling factory, two heavy-set men who bear a strong family resemblance sit at identical desks. They are in their middle thirties and have pale, beefy faces, tight lips, and pale eyes. Behind them, at the dirty window, another man sits on a case of empty soda bottles. The boy of about thirteen, who resembles the two men at the desks, stands between them as he is being questioned. Go on, tell us just what happened, Ralphie. Well, I went to see the two kids first. Well, I told them what you said, that they better not show up on Saturday or they'd be sorry. Joe, what did they just do? Just a minute, George. You didn't tell them we said that, did you, Ralphie? Of course not, Dad. I said I was speaking for myself and all the other kids. Sure. What did they say? Well, they said they had just as much right as anybody else to be there. And to be in on the competition, too. And they were going to be there. Oh, they said that, then. We'll fix their hides a dirty now, little... Now, take it easy, George. No, John, you heard what Ralphie said. Well, I say we go to those kids' houses and teach them a lesson. Show them they ain't got no right to mix with our kind. What do you say, Henry? Well, I, uh, want to hear what John says. I don't care what he says. I heard him... Shut up, I... George. What did you do then, Ralphie? Well, when I talked to Jim Olson. Jim Olson? Oh, he's the young daily planet reporter. Uh-huh. And he's kind of in charge when the coach can't be there. John Gaim. What's that? Uh... What did he say? He ran me off the field. What? what? Ran you off? Yeah. He said I was a rotten American and I had a filthy mind. And he said if I showed up around there again, he might lose his temper and beat my ears down. Oh, he did. You hear that, John? He called Ralphie, your son, a rotten American. He stood up for those other dirty kids and he threatened Ralphie. Are we going to stand for that? No, George, we're not. Now you're waking up. Let's go to work tonight. Now, hold it, George. We're going to work all right. But we're not going to stick our necks out. Now, uh, 
I've got an idea how we can handle this. Safe. Let's hear it, John. I think it's time something was done about those two kids, too. And about this Jim old... All son. right, now listen. We've given those two boys ample warning, but they wouldn't listen. So we're going to take care of them another way. To show all the others like them, we mean business. Good. Well, and to show everybody else in Metropolis what it means to stand up for kids like that, we're going to take care of Jim Olson, too. His pale eyes cold as ice and his flat voice edged with hate. The man called John outlines a vicious plan to his companions. A plan which means great danger to cub reporter Jimmy Olsen and two unknown boys whom Jimmy has apparently befriended. Who are these men and the boy they call Ralphie? What has Jimmy Olsen done to incur their displeasure? Who are the two unnamed boys? And what will happen to them and to Jimmy? We're beginning an exciting new Superman adventure, fellows and girls. One which will keep you on the edges of your chairs from beginning to end. Be sure to be with us tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 1 of The Skin Game on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this time. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Captain Midnight, which follows in just a moment. And right after Captain Midnight, you will hear Tom Mix and his Ralston straight shooters. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, a few thoughts on these uh, three episodes here, and then on the overall arc itself. First of all, if Bruce Wayne is wanting to keep uh, Clark Kent's identity a secret from Dick Grayson, might avoid uh, hinting at it constantly. That always helps. Biggie Conroy seemed like a very intelligent crook right up until the point that he suggested the best thing they could do with Clark Kent was to hide him under the couch. Yeah, police will never notice that. Of course, it was silly why the police had been there in the first place. Because generally, when the police want to give you a moving violation, they give it while you're moving. Uh, not, you know, track you down to your house. I did find the uh, commercials interesting, particularly the third one uh, with the April Fools and mentioning being an April Fool all year. And of course, it brought to mind a very modern problem that we have in the 21st century with fake news sites. And there are people who share these stories, and I'm not talking about the Onion or Satire's uh, sites. But there are people who will buy a domain that's like just one letter off from a uh, actual news site and uh, share the news story around the world as if it is a legitimate uh, article by a journalist. And some of them are actually for the sort of ends they were talking about in that story. So it's kind of an interesting uh, relevance to the modern world. Overall, I enjoyed this story uh, pretty much uh, very well. I mean, I think there are things you can nitpick, but that's what you're doing. Uh, nothing wrong with it as far as just the overall plot and structure. Even uh, Batman and Robin redeem themselves a little bit in the end, which is great for the radio version, which hasn't been all that impressive at this point. James Launce uh, agreed, and he said that uh, it 
for it worked for his medium just as the uh, stolen costume episode on uh, TV worked. So this is a pretty good serial. I, I think it is definitely helped by Biggie, who makes them, for m- the most part, a very competent and intelligent villain. Again, except for the issue with the couch. I also have to say I even like the henchmen a bit more. Uh, particularly Chopin's uh, gimmick of actually playing music. Most of the villains are just completely forgettable stooges. So this is definitely one of the uh, better Superman serials, and I hope you've enjoyed it. All right, that'll do it for now. If you do have a comment, send to me, adam at adamsweb.us, and be sure and rate the show on iTunes. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.